follower of the Lord. Very generous guy. Says it about one day at, at about three in the afternoon. And if you wonder why lots of times things happen at three in the afternoon, it was a call to prayer. It was a time of prayer. So one day, three in the afternoon, he had a vision. In it, he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, so now, not only is he seeing it, but he's literally hearing it, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. How many of you, if you were in prayer tomorrow, and an angel walked up and looked at you and said, Amy, would you, is there a chance you might freak out for just a second? John, Brad, ah! right? Cornelius stared in fear. He gets his attention. He's, what, what is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. That always makes sense. A guy, he's named Simon, but he's called this, right? He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So get the context. Cornelius is in prayer. He didn't arrange the vision. God gives him a vision. In the vision, an angel speaks to him. It freaks him out. He finally responds, okay, what's going on? This is what I want you to do. Send some people to go to Simon, though it's not really, he's, he's called uh, it's Simon, but he's called Peter. Go to him. By the way, not to confuse you, he's with another Simon, Simon the Tanner, it, not, not uh, Simone the Tanner. He lives down the other side of the street, but Simon the Tanner, this is the one that lives close to the sea. Send some guys there because he needs to come back here and talk to you about some stuff. Now, how many of you, if you were in prayer and you got this revelation, would think, I'm a little crazy? And maybe Cornelius did. Maybe the Lord, was that really? But he sent them to go and to find out what they needed to receive from him. This was a practical vision with practical direction. God loves you enough that he can give you vision for something very practical. Let me make a, little, a couple of points with this. If the vision gives direction, follow it. If the vision isn't a vision of direction, don't try to make it one. There's a, there's a complete difference. Beth, last week during worship, the Lord gave her a vision for a family that attends our church. And Beth shared the vision with them that day, said, this is what the Lord showed me. And the family said immediately, well, what do we need to do? And Beth said, and it was appropriate, she goes, you don't need to do anything. The vision was the Lord is showing you that he sees what's going on and he's going to take care of it. Because in the vision, God took care of it. So it wasn't do step one, two, three, and four. It was just, here's what, be encouraged by it. God will give you visions to give you direction. God will give you visions just to encourage you because he loves you. Some of you might be going through a time of difficulty, and all of a sudden he gives you a vision of something that just brings peace to your heart. And you walk away from that and you go, well, what's the inner meaning? I'll, I'll tell you the meaning. He's with you. He's gonna give you peace beyond the storm. And he, he knows exactly what you're going through, and he's going to walk it out with you. He's good that way. I remember one day during worship, the Lord gave me a vision, and I wish it happened more often. But one day during worship, he gave me a vision, and in the vision, I saw water beginning to pour out over the drum cage, and water was coming down the platform, and it began to fill this room. And when I saw it, I'm like, Lord, what, what are you showing me? He immediately reminded me of the, of, the, of the verse in Ezekiel about the river of God that flows from the altar of the Lord. And it says that that river brings what? Do you remember? Life and healing to the nations. And I immediately thought, we're supposed to pray for the sick right now. 
So I responded, and I'm like, this is what the Lord's showing me. We need to, if you are not well, if you are sick, he is here to give life. He's here to give healing. Let's pray. I felt very strongly that it was a directional vision. I remember a month and a half ago or two months ago, Bev Ortigo came up to me after the early service. She came up, she said, pay bay, because she's from Louisiana, pay bay. Lord, show me a vision. Um, and, and it sounds more spiritual when you're from the South. Do you know that? That, that when people talk like that, it's got to be really, I, I keep wanting to go to that old shake and bake commercial. Anybody remember that one? It's shake and bake and I helped. How many of you remember that commercial? But I just, I can, pay bay, the Lord showed me. And she said, God had surrounded you today with warrior angels. And she said, I don't know if you could feel him. I go, I could feel his presence today. She said, there were angels around you. And she said, when you would step to the right, like the whole group would step with you. And you'd step back. She said, they never looked at you, but she said, they kept you surrounded the whole time. Was that a directional instruction vision? No. You know what it was? It was an encouragement that God has you surrounded and protected no matter what you're doing. And I remember that day, it was a difficult subject. And the Lord was encouraging me, bring my word and I'm going to surround you and protect you. Okay, if it gives direction, follow it. Let's go to the next one. Number three, a vision shouldn't be dismissed because we don't understand it or approve it. I love you people, but there are times you don't approve of what God's showing you. Okay, it's just the way we are. And how many know, just say this with me, God doesn't need my approval, (laughs) but I wish he did, okay? If we're gonna be honest, we wish he did, but he doesn't need it. Now, Cornelius has a vision, and isn't it beautiful also that the angel would actually say to him, hey buddy, by the way, your gifts for the poor are like a memorial offering to the Father. Isn't it cool that God would acknowledge the generosity of one of his own people? Isn't that just precious? Okay, so you've got this side of the vision. Let me tell you the other side of the vision. Let's talk about that Simon Peter guy that was staying at Simon the Tanner's house. And the next day, about three, he goes up to pray on the roof. How many of you pray on your roof? And only a couple of you. I've seen Shiloh at her house. You, you get a little crazy there. But, you know, I mean, she lives in the rural area, and they do crazy things in the rural area. But if you drive by her house, she might be up there praying. But in the Middle East, it's kind of common, because especially at that time, that house is so hot. You could bake bread in there. So at three in the afternoon, rather than baking in that house, Simon Peter goes up on the roof to pray. And when he does, look what happens. He saw heaven opened. Now, some of you would go, it's just because he was so hot. Have you ever been hot enough that you saw things? Well, that's not what took place here. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet. Now, I love how they try to describe it because they don't really know. I'm not saying it was a large sheet. Was it a, was it a king size? Was it a California king? Okay. I don't know. It was a large sheet. It's being let down to the earth by four corners. Here's what it had in it. Four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Yuck. Then a voice told, told him, hey, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord. Isn't it great that he's having a vision from God and he's arguing with God while he's getting the vision? I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Me either. How about you? Okay. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Why three times? Because Peter wasn't getting it. So it happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision. 
The men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Hey, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get downstairs. Right? So think about it. Cornelius responses, responds to a directional dream. He follows and obeys it, and he sends off his workers, and they go to Joppa, and they don't know where to go because they didn't have an address except to know that he was in Simon the Tanner's house that was close to the sea. So they're walking along going, hey, is this Simon's house? No, no, he lives down the street. Hey, is this Simon's house? Yeah, my brother owns it. His name's Simon. Is he a tanner? No, he's a tent maker. Oh, wrong one. Do you know where Simon the tanner is? I can't remember. His work isn't all that good. I've went to Butch the tanner for years. Butch is over on 5th. I don't want to find Butch. I want to find Simon. I'm telling you that Butch's work's a lot better than Simon's is. It doesn't matter. I just need to talk to him. Oh, well, keep going. Somebody's bound to know. And they work their way until they finally get to the gate. And they, again, is this Simon the tanner? Yes, it is. Is Simon Peter here? Yes, he is. Why? Right? Isn't that human nature? <laughs> Who needs to know? Inquiring minds want to know. Why? The Lord speaks to Simon Peter. Get off the roof. Go on down there. There's some guys. They need to meet you. And he walks out. Hello. I'm Simon Peter. <gasps> You're Gentiles. Oh, I just had a vision about eating unclean animals. And God told me to come down here, and there are Gentiles that want to talk to me? And the Gentiles tell him the vision, and it clicks, and Peter goes, oh, God wants me to go to this Gentile's house, which we never do, and to tell the message of Jesus. I better go. I find that fascinating. That God gives a vision to a Gentile, and he follows it. He gives a vision to a Jewish man that's been his disciple for three years, and the disciple's theology is keeping him from understanding it. I'm going there. Our theology isn't always right. What's theology mean? Theo, God, ology, the study of God. We don't always get it. We're, we're, we just don't. I remember the day that it really clicked with me that from my own belly, rivers of living water flow. And I thought to myself, we sang about that in church growing up. How come nobody taught me? Anybody ever sing the song? I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Come on now. Opens prison doors, sets the captive free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up a well. In my soul, bring up a splash, splash, splash. Anybody do the splish, splash? Okay, did you grow up in Sunday school? Splish, splash, 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 right? We were so focused on splish, splash, splash, splash. We didn't get it. We didn't get it. Okay? And then I, as a kid, I'd have a vision of like shooting my stomach and water gushing forth. <laughs> Be healed, right? Splish, splash, splash, splash. I mean, where does... Freely you've received. Freely give. Are you kidding me? Brad Riley can heal the sick? I'm going to say the most heretical true statement in the world. Yes. Yes. Freely you've received. Freely give. 
We Christians tend to struggle with what we see because we've already got our predetermination of what fits into the mold that we're comfortable with. Okay? I remember when we had a couple of elders in our church that prayed for a guy to be healed at a bar because they were called and asked to come pray for this guy at a bar. So they went over to pray for the guy at the bar because he had a back problem. And you know what God did? God healed the guy with the back problem. And when God healed the guy with the back problem, you know what the guy did? He spoke in tongues. He spoke in tongues. And then he said, how the hell did that happen? (laughs) Our board member said, we have no hell of an idea. No, they didn't say that. How do you explain that in Bible school? Well, we prayed for this guy that's a non-Christian for his back to be healed. And when he was healed, he spoke in tongues. And then he cussed and went back and had another beer. And he did. How how do you explain that? I, I don't know if I can. I love that the Spirit of God creates more questions. I love that Saul, not the Apostle Paul, but Saul, the first king of Israel that was so rebellious, everybody knew it, but anytime he got close to the prophets, what did he do? He prophesied. And people were like, is Saul one of the prophets? And they're like, not if he knew everything I know about him, he's not one of the prophets. But being close to that anointing, this rebellious man would start to prophesy. That listen, that's not the guy that I want training my prophetic class. Hey, can we have Saul, the the rebellious one that's turned the kingdom over and he's got a spirit of witchcraft? Could we have him come and teach about prophecy? No, I don't want the guy at the bar coming and preaching either. But I know that when they prayed for him, he spoke in tongues and that doesn't make sense. Because I don't have it figured out. It's okay. Say this with me. It's okay that we don't have it figured out. It's gotta be bigger than we are. It's got to be bigger than we can comprehend. Think about it. God will use visions to stretch you from your comfort zone. Visions aren't to confirm your comfortableness. They're to stretch you from your comfort zone. The apostle Peter, it took three times of seeing this same thing before he was even ready to even give it a shot. Here's what I find interesting. They had interpreted the Old Testament to mean that they weren't supposed to associate with Gentiles at all. Even though there were so many prophetic words, even Isaiah said that Jesus would be a light to whom? The Gentiles. But they had interpreted as Jews, they weren't even supposed to associate with the Gentiles. Did you know that nobody would even walk through Samaria? They would walk around it. That's why it was so revolutionary when Jesus walked through Samaria, and then he, not only did he go through Samaria, he talked to a Samaritan woman. And not just a woman, but one that had been married five times. And she was a perverted Samaritan woman. She was hungry. She was on the prowl. She was looking for the next one. And are you kidding me? Jesus spoke to her? And she responds by his prophetic anointing and goes down to her community and says, you got to come meet a guy that told me everything I've ever done. I just met him. He he told me everything. you got to come meet. Could this be the Messiah? I mean, I bet the disciples were glad, at least one thing, when Jesus ascended to heaven, they weren't going to have to walk through Samaria anymore. 
Because, whew, that, that, that season's over, right? But no. The Lord says to Peter, go to this Gentile's house. And when he went and Peter began to talk about the goodness of God, you know what happened to all the Gentiles in the room? And don't say they got saved. Guess what? They started speaking in tongues. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter and the disciples look at each other and they're like, well, if God filled them with the Spirit, I guess we have to baptize them in water. Now, how do you know you have to be baptized in water to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? You give your life to Christ. Lord, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. And we say the perfect prayer, don't we? I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and God has raised him from the dead to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Check. And now I need to make a public profession of my faith by being baptized in water. Check. And now I'm ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit in a back room when nobody else can see it because I don't want to embarrass myself when I say, oh, I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Hyundai. <laughs> oh, I bought a Honda, but I should have bought a Hyundai. Right? Is that what we've made this? Is that what we've made this? The Lord says, let me blow your theology away. Go give them the message of Jesus, and I'm going to fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you're going to go, well, I guess we better baptize them. Because God loves to blow our theology away. You think you got him figured out? You don't. Number four, last one. All God's people said, finally. Okay. God uses spiritual vision because of limitations of our natural understanding. Now, I'm not going to break every word down in this verse like I got to do for the first service, um, but because I want to end on time today. It's a new goal I have. But let's just read it, and I'll try to give you some comment. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we're transitioning from another thought to a new one, and he's saying, if the people would have got who Jesus was, there is no way they would have crucified him but they didn't get it. And he uses that to talk about how we don't get it. He says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by how? His spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Let's wrap this up. How many believe that when you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit moved into you? Okay, and that's theologically accurate, at least as far as we know. All right? Yes, absolutely. God moved in. The Spirit of God in you searches the deep things of God. And the Spirit of God out there is searching the deep things around in here. There is a connection. God longs jealously for the Spirit He caused to live in you. Do you know that? It's right out of James, that God placed his spirit in Kevin and Kathy, and he longs to spend time with the spirit that he's placed in you. You've been made in his image, and now he's put his own spirit in you as a deposit guaranteeing that which is to come. I love that my daughters are getting older. I love it. I love the different topics and the new things in life that we get to embrace that's beyond, you know, diapers, have a boo-boo, and you need more milk. I love it. You know, one of the things that I don't like about it is that all of us are so busy that we don't always get the time to sit down and just be together. And that aggravates me because life just goes too quick. 
Emma and I got to go to North Dakota together this year for senior high camp. That's the most time that we'd had together in a year. And we were talking the other day about that was just such an amazing week. We just got to be together and minister together, and it was amazing. How many know what I'm talking about? Just that time with family, right? It's a big deal, okay? I'm going to jump from family into the spirit. God longs for what he's placed within you. He didn't place it within you because he doesn't want to spend time with you. He placed it within you because he enjoys it. He loves it. And he's also made you in such a way that you can't figure it out if his spirit doesn't reveal it to you anyway. Brainstorming sessions aren't bad and staff meetings a good thing. Okay? Those, they're good things. But you know how many times that I just I go to a private place and I just say, God, I need your spirit to reveal this to me. I need your spirit to reveal this to me. One of the ways that his spirit will, will be through vision. He'll do it through vision. 